Shelley. Como esta, onde esta? <laughs> well, Vainan, I'm good, thank you very much. And I am in Peniche with you in Portugal. For those that don't know, Peniche is a little peninsula that sticks out into the Atlantic Ocean on, uh, is quite a westerly point of, um, of Europe in general, in fact. And at the moment we are sitting with our backs to the ocean, um, right, <laughs> I'm just looking behind me, we're on a really big cliff and there are all these waves crashing into the cliff behind us. So uh, it's making me slightly nervous actually, but <laughs> it's not too windy. Welcome to the How Are You, Where Are You podcast. This is an audio travelogue of our adventures by bike as we cycle from our home of seven years in London to our former home of the Hutt Valley in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Um, so we left London on April the 4th and we've travelled almost within touching distance of the end of our European leg in Lisbon. Um, we'll roll in there, we're planning, on Friday. So then we'll do a little bit of chilling out because I'm getting seriously tired um, uh, before we head to Cuba, then Mexico, and then we will be cycling south to Argentina uh, for the best part of around 18 months. And in breaking news, our odometer rolled over the 4,000 kilometre mark this past week. That's around 2,500 miles, I think, for those of you still living in the dark ages of pre-1967 <laughs> and still talk about uh, how you know, things are in inches and, and feet and, in feet and horse races are won by furlongs. <laughs> Get over it, you idiots. <laughs> that must be why I'm feeling so tired. <laughs> 4,000k. <laughs> and after riding down the doodle the week before last, our friend this week has been a bit different. It's been the Atlantic Ocean. We've had sun, sand and sardines here on the edge of Europe. <laughs> Okay, so we've moved to the ocean, um, from the river to the ocean, the River Douro to the Atlantic Ocean. And for me, um, I I don't know, for me, I prefer the river. Uh, I think, you know, I, th I felt like I had kind of more of an authentic adventure along the river. And coming along to the sea now, we're dealing with um, camping in the sand, which is a pain because it just goes everywhere and gets into everything cycling in the wind which I was told was going to be at our backs but just doesn't ever seem to be <laughs> along this coast um yeah so I mean I, I don't know what you think Baden but I'm kind of more of a river girl I don't know I I mean uh, the sea is pretty awesome the views when you come to the sea you always know you're part of something massive you know the sea is like a great big expanse and also kind of represents a bit of progress you know once we've got to the sea you know we've really come almost from another side of the continent and we haven't seen the sea for so long why could why should we be moaning about it now <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the other thing i really like is that you always know where you are you know uh, last few days we've been navigating um just off the whim basically <laughs> we haven't been uh, mixed results yeah we're sort of weaning ourselves off the trusty old gps and <laughs> and my navigation abilities are poor but i kind of as long as i feel like the sea is that way or that way <laughs> i can sort of uh you sort of know where you've got to get to yeah, and uh, yeah. so it's kind of like a good guide it shows you the shape of the land and uh <laughs> well, I suppose, but I'm pushing it a bit. I think another thing is that we've noticed that the prices have started to kind of creep up on just basic things and not by a lot because to be fair Portugal is, is a pretty reasonably priced country but just a few things like... We're talking about the difference in the price of beer really. I mean Shelley is moaning <laughs> yeah. this place we uh, the campsite we're at today they had the temerity to charge <laughs> one euro 40 pence 40 cents for a, uh, a bottle of beer 
and yeah. we've just been used to one dollar bears, uh, one euro bears. So <laughs> this really outraged Shelley. And okay, wait. What about the fact that since we've been coming along the coast, we've been seeing quite a lot of um, touristy beachy resorts. And yeah, okay. They haven't been packed because that doesn't happen until July, but it has felt a lot, slightly more cheesy, touristy kind of vibe. Yeah, I mean, I gotta, you gotta admit the, the condos and you know the big sort of apartments, most of which seem a bit empty, uh, are a bit soulless, really, aren't they? But you know, what you then also have is the seafood, and the seafood is magnificent, <laughs> and I mean, well, as you'll find out later in the podcast, it's mostly sardines that I've been obsessed with. <laughs> But Shelley, you've been reflecting on this change of scenery um, and you did so in a bit of more of a formal podcasty type way <laughs> uh, during one of our lunch slash pee stops this week. This week we've been cycling along the Atlantic coast um, and today we've stopped for lunch in a town called Boa Vista, which uh, translates as good view, I suppose. Um, and we've stopped in this big mirador or lookout. Um, and this is a really small town. There's, you know, we kind of feel like we're in the middle of nowhere. And yet we're, the lookout is quite formal. It's really big. It's paved quite nicely with big sort of sweeping grass semicircles. Um, and at one end of it, there's a huge kind of rough hewn rock and it's facing out over the ocean. Um, and it's got a strange looking Mary on it, uh, carved, and she's got sort of gaudy, tacky flowers and all sorts of necklaces and rosary beads people have come and put around her neck. Um, and on one side of her, there's some kind of prayer for like fishermen. And it's sort of like, pray for us, the fishermen. And then it says something about their death. Um, so it's a bit kind of weird and creepy, um, but you know, nice spot for lunch and it's got 180 degree views out over the ocean with, you know, a big bank of fluffy white clouds out in the distance. So it's been lovely. It's quite windy. Um, as I say, it's not very developed here. I mean, when we came out of Porto, there were a lot of kind of condos and apartments and, you know, sort of beachy places that looked like they would be really full in July. They're quite empty now in June. Um, but yesterday we rode through some sand dunes with pines and eucalyptus and not really anyone around. And then today again we're we're riding in a spot that's not particularly developed. So I mean it's quite nice for us because we don't really want to hang out in um, you know beachy resorts or anything like that. Um, but I mean riding along the coast it really has made me a little bit homesick because I think about Wellington. You know it's a very rugged coast that we've been on for the most part. Um, it just seems to make. It just seems to make Baden crave fish, really, being near the ocean. He's been obsessed. I'm just looking at him now. He's just been obsessed with fish. Um, and also, it signals that we're nearly at the end of uh, this part of our trip because um, we'll be in Lisbon soon and then we'll be, you know, saying goodbye to Europe. So, um, yeah. But what a beautiful day. Um, I think it's probably time to get going now. <laughs> So it hasn't all been about the coast this week. Everyone we've met has urged us to head inland to Coimbra uh, to visit the country's oldest and most prestigious universities. Um, I mean, everyone has mentioned the main thing about Coimbra is the library. It's a Baroque <laughs> library. I don't, you know, when people say, oh, yeah, it's Baroque, I just kind of nod in agreement. I'm, I'm not really sure what the Baroque period is or what 
uh, or what necessarily uh, characterizes uh, yeah, baroque for, stuff. Yeah, for me, if I'm it, sorry, if it's Raoul. <laughs> Uh, we met this guy showing our ignorance. <laughs> we here. met this guy in Guimaraes, uh, who is obsessed by Baroque. It's his sort of favourite thing. Um, but yeah, I should have asked a few more questions about what are the intricacies of Baroque. Well, <laughs> but it's an, it was an amazing library nonetheless, wasn't it? Yeah, I think maybe if you use the library as your barometer for what is Baroque from now on, you're probably not going to go far wrong. It was just I mean we had to actually get a taxi to get to it we delayed the start of our cycling in order to see it because people really had gone on and on and on about it and um, so we walked in uh, and the thing I was quite disappointed about is the library has massive big doors and they only open like a little baby door inside a door to yeah. let you in I was like oh, I want the grand entrance but it's it's an 18th century library it's part of um, the University Queenborough University uh, which is the oldest university in Portugal and what I thought was quite cool was that it was actually it used it started life as a palace the whole kind of campus the old part of the campus so you walk in and there's a big statue of King Joao and you just think oh my gosh this used to be full of you know royalty and and the whole royal household um, and then somehow became a university I don't know quite what the story is there it was amazing like even the, the exam rooms you had uh, portraits of former kings of Portugal looking down over you as you sit your exams and also this weird uh, ceremony they go through for PhD students they have to like fill in this last test or something mm. and they do it in this grand chamber like room and there's a sort of one desk in the middle of the room with a lampshade over it and you do your final uh, <laughs> thing for your PhD while all these like you know greats of the university are looking on you that's got to be pretty daunting but also really special I mean this is the thing it's a university with traditions and um, you know everyone walks around uh, with black cloaks on and yeah and one of the thing one of the carryovers from it being a palace was that there was a, a sort of a prison on site really like with cells and um university when it started it had quite quite a huge jurisdiction over students and you know that were in attendance and it could even jail them for you know indiscretions or you know breaking yeah. any kind of university <laughs> rules i mean i think the rules even stretch from talking in class <laughs> You get solitary confinement, maybe wearing Converse uh, shoes with your uh, black robe. Uh, you can get in trouble for that as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was yeah. pretty awesome to have a student prison. We didn't have that at Victoria University in Wellington. I don't think it's awesome. <laughs> so the library is really old as well. Like it's, it, The building itself is uh, 18th century, but the, the history of the library stretches way back. Um, I think to the 1600s is when it first started. But what surprised me was um, that the way that they presented the books back in the day was that they were all chained down. So the books were like chained in place. And you could come to the library and you could look at the books, but you couldn't take them anywhere. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I guess so. You're not going to have anyone nicking off with the books, <laughs> and and, uh, and you would have thought that the you know the uh, the threat of going to the student prison if you stole would a book would stop book. you from stealing it. But they had the extra reinforcement of the chains. Yeah. The other thing that was quite cool is that uh, we didn't see any, which is a massive disappointment for Shelley, who's a big bat fan. <laughs> but there are bats in the library, and they have some sort of symbiotic relationship with the books. With the books. <laughs> so when they're um, a bugs threatening to uh, eat a book. I think specifically a bat, moths. Or moths. Yeah. A bat will swoop down 
and uh, and eat that bug and therefore protect the book. Uh, true or not? We're not sure if it's true. But um, I have to say that we've seen a lot of amazing things on this trip so far. And stepping inside that library, it's so ornate. It's absolutely beautiful with like sort of two stories of bookshelves on all of the walls. And they're all you know delicately painted and the the ornamentation of the room and then there's these beautiful paintings on the ceilings and there are 60,000 books the majority of which are in Latin and just the the culmination of all of the craftsmanship and hours of work that would have gone into creating this it I found it like quite moving I have to say didn't realize before we came to Panish is that this is the home of sardine fishing and in fact all of the sardines that you're eating in restaurants in Lisbon come from here. Um, sardines are a fish that is extremely important to the Portuguese people. And what's more important is that we went to tuck into some sardines last night. Um, can we please order uh, two fish soup okay. and um, one grilled sardines and one grilled mackerel? Uh, grilled sardines yes. and grilled You should be using the Portuguese words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. see, he's being lazy in English. Uh, um sardine asadas? Yes. Y um carapuz asados. Okay. <laughs> Was that better? Sorry? Was that easier to understand? Or yes. just as difficult? Carapuz. Carapuz. Oh, thank you. Right, so we are here in Paniche, and uh, we found out a few hours ago that Paniche is sardine country, which is pretty great because uh, I felt like sardines again tonight, and I think this is the fourth night in a row that we are eating sardines, and it turns out that it's pretty much Portugal's uh, national dish, sardines, isn't it? Give us some history, give us some stats, Shelley. Well, I think it's um, this might be a piece of information that is quite obvious to other people that we were unaware of, um, because I th I feel like Portugal is known for sardines and little else. Um, so yeah, they have like a sardine season every year, uh, and they bring in a lot of sardines, and it, it's a big part of their economy. Um, and they eat these delicious big fresh juicy plump sardines around this time every year uh, up until I think it's October um, and actually today is um, St Anthony's Day and he uh, he was a Portuguese guy who um, they have this day for him I can't remember what, what was the day oh it was the day that he gave the sermon to the fishes apparently he was in Italy somewhere and everyone was ignoring him so he went and like spoke to the sea and all the fishes paid attention so what they do in Lisbon is they have this big party with everybody grilling sardines so we're doing our own kind of little mini version here because they're not celebrating it here well actually all the sardines come from here in Paniche like we're looking out to the harbour and around this time or sometimes earlier depends on the weather conditions the fleet comes in the seagulls hover above and they uh, bring in all the sardines for Lisbon and uh, and surrounding areas so this this place here is the home of sardines it really uh, props up the little fishing towns sort of industry there's an amazing number of boats that go out and there's a bit of gnashing of teeth that's been going on at the moment when we're having a um, you know, nutter and some other pastries uh, in a bakery the other day. They had the TV on in the corner, and I could make out there was some story about the price of sardines going up. 
And I think that's right. I think uh, they've gone up to around 2.30 a kilo, uh, which is quite expensive uh, compared to, you know, you know, it's such a little fish, and you think it's such a cheap fish, normally you go for around 150 or something like that. So there's a bit of gnashing of teeth going, ah, oh, the sardine prices are going up. How, are we, how can we afford to live? But, I mean, that, that, that kind of shows how important the sardines uh, are to the people of Portugal. Um, everyone eats them. Uh, they're cheap, they're plump, delicious. And they're not, we're not talking about sardines in a can here, although on the way here we passed a uh, cannery where they um, can out the sardines. But no, they, they eat them fresh out of the sea, grilled like we've got here. And um, Yeah, apparently the best way to do it is you rub um, coarse salt on them and then uh, you rinse them off. So you do that about an hour before you're going to cook them, rinse them off and then you grill them. And apparently you don't use oil because the sardines they have here in Paniche have enough fat and juices and plenty of protein. Apparently um, sort of, you know, the value of the protein in a sardine is, is so much cheaper obviously than beef and chicken. So they're a really, really great dish. Um, my major thing is I'm not really that great at eating them. I always end up with a mouthful of bones. So I think tonight we've got a few sardines here on the plate. I'm going to do some experimentation and try and crack the uh, eating of the... So apparently some people hold it by the head and the tail and then eat the body like a, like corn on the cob. Yeah, and some people, you know, get in like the surgeon's knife and sort of... <laughs> chop everything back. The other thing that I found quite interesting is um, normally with fish you'd have white wine and although they say the vino verde which we've been drinking when we're up up further north in Portugal although that is apparently okay with sardines apparently sardines are considered a strong enough fish that you really need red wine with it. So that's what we're doing here as well tonight. So but I think oh and the other thing typically when they serve you a grilled sardine uh, a plate of grilled sardines you get your boiled boiled potatoes with it so it does sound, it looks a bit plain and boring apart from the amazing looking sardines but yeah I think it just all offsets the really strong flavour that you get from the sardines but look really this is enough talking about sardines um, it's a perfect um, food for uh, after a long day cycling so let's crack in <laughs> Welcome to another What's in the Pot live special. This one is brought to you from another campground. We're always in exciting campgrounds, aren't we? With lots of retired people. This one in Nazare, uh, on the coast of Portugal, as we uh, near Lisbon. But anyway, tonight we are cooking a special dish. It's kind of a Portuguese-English fusion, I'd like to call it. Uh, Basically, when you're in Rome, you eat what the Romans do. And the Portuguese, they bloody love sardines. And, uh, well, we cooked sardines uh, when we first arrived in uh, Portugal a few weeks ago. And then I later found out that those weren't, in fact, sardines. I think we called them (laughs) Virginia or something. And uh, someone politely informed us that was basically what people feed their cats. So no wonder that was so cheap. (laughs) But so now we've got, uh, tonight we're using real sardines out of a can. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so, <laughs> um, and we're kind of making, it's t- to be honest, this is turning into a bit of a mush, but what we're doing is uh, we're kind of blending one of our old Sunday night favourites from home uh, back in London. We used to do this thing where we put in potatoes, cashew nuts, uh, sardines, a bit of spring onion, couldn't find any spring onion, so I've just used green pepper. And it's a Nigel Slater recipe, but we've 
realise it will work on the camp stove. So it's it's actually uh, looking. I think um, we just need these sardines to sort of blend in a bit more and get them all mushed up with the sweet potato. Everything here is uh, pretty cheap apart from the cashews, but you'll be glad to know that uh, I bought them on special. So it's uh, uh, they they will actually fit with the cycle touring budget. And uh, so I've got the uh, budget responsibilities are uh, holding the mic here. So I think this is actually ready. So look, I'll turn off the old fire burner and uh, we'll take it over and plate this one up. Service. <laughs> and uh, tonight with this, we're going to be um, uh, drinking it with something quite special as well. Very Portuguese. They love iced tea. And we've had... Uh, I always want Fanta Lemon at the end of my cycling day. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, sardines tonight. So uh, just uh, plating up. And yeah, the Portuguese, they love their uh, iced tea. And so I saw in the supermarket today, well actually I saw on a uh, advertisement in a bus stop, uh, daiquiri flavoured, mojito flavoured and pina colada flavour. So uh, we're actually uh, having uh, sardines with sweet potatoes and cashews with mojito iced tea. Another What's in a Pot live special from Nazare in Portugal. Okay, now it's time for In Praise Of, another one of our regular features where we select an item or person or, I don't know, anything that we are incredibly appreciative of. And, and Baden, what have you selected this time? Well, I'm not sure if I've selected him before <laughs> but I'm uh, very grateful uh, for him in the last well wee week or so um, it's Terry the tent <laughs> uh, so some of the things that are quite important to us we give them names um, so our bikes have names Shirley and Fausto uh, our tent has a name it's Terry anything else have names nothing springing to nothing mind. springing to mind there's probably some a uh, Shibubi <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Shibubi another time <laughs> Uh, but Terry the Tent, um, <laughs> we have uh, slept in Terry. Uh, <laughs> this sounds so weird. It sounds so normal to us. But to other people, we're talking about, oh, yeah. we say all the time, oh, we're inside you now, Terry. Uh, <laughs> thank, thanks, for, thanks for everything, Terry. We, we literally talk to our tent. But <laughs> the, the, the cool thing about Terry is that he's a, he's a no-fuss kind of tent, you know. Uh, you put him up, you sleep in him, you put him down, you fold him up, and you put him back in the bag and ride off with him again. Yeah. And uh, he's been a faithful servant on this trip. I think we've been going, this is our 72nd day on tour, mm -hmm. and we've slept inside Terry for 37 nights now. <laughs> so is that half? More than half? Yeah. That's about half, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. so uh, Terry, you'd been doing a bloody great job. And <laughs> especially last night. Uh, last night, Terry had his first proper test. Uh, here we are on the coast, and, you, and the wind is blowing um, in towards the east. Mm -hmm. And so it's coming right at us. And we could look out to the coast, and we saw these really dark, thre threatening clouds. So we quickly got into our sleeping bags. And then, lo and behold, it started hoeing down. It was... <laughs> really hammering it and we got really excited 
it was kind of cool actually and terry he stood up you know it was time for terry to stand up and be counted and even though the uh the surface where we pitched our tent last night was too hard to bang in all the guide ropes and i thought oh you know should we put more guy ropes in tonight it's going to be a bit of a dodgy night but we didn't worry about it we just put the couple in and it was okay and but terry did the rest of the job and the funny thing is that this morning we woke up and there were sea snails all over terry <laughs> and uh since since then we're sort of cleared up we've got a lot of dead snails around our tent <laughs> since everything's dried out so terry you've been magnificent do you think you should mention what what the tent is actually rather than just terry oh yeah so terry uh, he's Swedish, and I don't know many Swedes called Terry, to be honest. They normally <laughs> like Sven and things like that. But uh, no, Terry is a Hilleberg tent. He's uh, he's quite expensive, um, so that's why we treat him with care. But a very good tent. I mean, to be fair, Hilleberg make great tents, and they've done a great job with Terry. <laughs> what about you, Shell? Okay, um, this time I am selecting Clarum. Which is... Uh, it sounds like a really nasty cream. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I think it's a really old-fashioned um, soap. And it's a soap you use on your clothes. So when you're doing hand washing, it's a big brick of blue, slightly gummy soap. And until then, we'd been buying little things of travel wash, which I was like, these run out really quickly. They're, they're crappy. And, you know, they're, they're just you can not... You find them. Either. No, they're really hard to find. I was like, no, we've got to, like, let's get down and dirty. Let's do what, like, you know, women uh, for probably the last 60 years, judging by the packaging, have been using this stuff. And to be honest, it really, really works. It's been getting rid of all of our stenchy stenches out of our cycling gear. And um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good one. Uh, unfortunately, it is. I, I actually sliced off a tiny bit of it and chucked most of it away because it was a massive slab. And I think we're going to run out. So hopefully in Cuba, they've got something akin to, to Clarum. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> so uh, where are we off to next? Well, I guess it's quite self-explanatory. We've been banging on about how uh, we're in touching distance of Lisbon. And so, yeah, that's where we're heading over the next week. So it should be a good one. And we're continuing along the Atlantic coast most of the way as well. So that should be fun. Well, I think we're about finished. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we'd love to know how you are and where you are. So you can email us, uh, howareyouwhereareyou at gmail.com or you can head to our blog, howareyouwhereareyou.com. We really, really like getting comments. So please post something under our blog. Um, also, there are a couple of links on there uh, for iTunes and SoundCloud. So if you follow those you can subscribe to the podcast and then when we put a new one up you'll find out automatically and we've got an interactive map on the blog as well which we keep up to date so if you're curious about how we are going on the saddle um, we put a little daily diary on there uh, for our route so that that could be interesting if you want to take a look um, we primarily decided to do this podcast for our families, really, to, so they knew kind of what we were up to and could follow our adventure. But we found out that other people that we don't even know are enjoying it as well. So if you if you do like the podcast, feel free to share it. Um, we're really keen for more people to hear it. And if you have any feedback, we'd like to hear that too. Uh, you can tweet Baden at Baden C, or you can um, follow him on Instagram, Baden Cycling. Um, and as usual, we'd like to thank Callum Campbell for the original music on the podcast. And as a bit of a change for this episode, Callum has just released a new song uh, this week so we thought we would plug it and we would give him a big shout out it's a great song it's called I Change My Face uh, the link uh, to his SoundCloud page is on our blog but for now goodbye bye I changed my face so you can't see 
Peace that doesn't fit 